What's up to our sidekicks and hench folk out there in the Geek Nation? You're currently tuning into the Cult Pop Podcast live stream, aka spoiler alert, episode number 784, wow. wherein we shall review a smattering of this week's comic books, as well as talking about friggin' Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA, a super rad shop which caters to nerdy and nerd adjacent individuals. As, such as yourselves. Joining me tonight is Brian Lieb. Hi. There he is. Uh, but also joining us is not Noel Bartocci, no. but uh, longtime alum, Rob Patey. How you doing, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me back, gentlemen. Frick yeah, bro. It wasn't. Thank you to... He fought hard. <laughs> he fought hard to keep you off the show, um, <laughs> so but know. due to due to some uh, sly Rochambeauing on my part, um, I got you on. Yeah, you did Rochambeau, and I had no idea that was going to happen. That's <laughs> right. Really yeah. what it is. Can you Rochambeau? <laughs> can you Rochambeau over text saying, "Hey, want to come on?" What is a Rochambeau? It's when you what kick you kick someone in the nuts. Oh, is that really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was so sly. I didn't even know it happened. Thanks, thanks to everyone uh, joining us tonight uh, on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Don't forget to comment, like, subscribe, do all that happy horse shit. Um, and yeah, definitely comment because we like to have you guys be part of the conversation. Because to be honest, you guys are better conversationalists than the other people on this show. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we need the. Uh, you can email us at coldpopgo at gmail just like uh, these two gentlemen did. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a letter, and then I'm, and then after that, another I'm one. gonna read another letter. Oh, oh. E yeah, mails. Do we still? Do you still Melio, do Melio, that? Melios. No, they don't. No, nah, that's over. No, you know because nobody can coordinate on Zoom, so like we're all singing at different times. We it doesn't really work. We weren't out. able to record it back in the old days either. But that's we true. Still, yeah, we still tortured people. Yeah. Uh, so, this letter goes as such, Hey, Cult Poppers, with reference back to Cult Pop episode 781 to address the Ewan McGregor, how will he age up to Alec McGinnis, Alec Guinness, blah, blah, non-controversy, fanboy garbage, which I am still weeks behind since I can only access you via the realm of podcasts. It should be noted that age is not what it once was. Ewan, we're on the same first name thing here, right? is currently 51 years old. Sir Alec, show some imperial cultural respect for fuck's sake, was 63 years old when Star Wars released about 61 during filming. Hmm. They don't have to age you and up. Life in the desert will be plenty to make the character of Ben Kenobi feel a whole lot older than a person of similar age living in the cushy, modern world of comfort in which we exist. And I am 
casually and cruelly only referring to first world country life for this argument. I still love you guys, despite my written out feedback's unimportant place in an interactive video cast immediate call and response format, the home dad abroad. Uh, this is, he's been writing us in uh, for like a decade. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Thank you so much, home dad. So uh, here's the thing. You can say that Ewan is uh, the right age, but he don't look it. No. Um, and that's kind of what counts. So, uh, especially now that we're watching Obi-Wan, we're going to be talking about it later today. My man still looks spry, especially considering Alec Guinness and what he looked like in the first movie. So uh, I'm hoping by the end of this series, he'll start to look some things. I don't know. Maybe the haircut will do it. I don't know. Um, oh, Rob, Rob is gesticulating wildly. No. Go ahead. What? No, it's it's been 10. What is it? We're 10 years out from we're 10 years ahead now. So we're 10 years out from when Luke is in episode four. There's no way he's going to look like Sir Alec Guinness. I mean, Ewan McGregor's uh, he's a better looking dude. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's aging a hell of a lot better. So, no, I yeah. don't think he's going to look like that in 10 years, but I've conceded to it, and I'm still going to enjoy the show regardless. I was thinking yeah. there could be some sort of in-story reason. Like, he, you know, he exerts himself so much using the force that his hair goes gray. And other than that... Well, there are two different actors <laughs> playing the role, right. so this is somehow the, he turns into Alec Guinness-looking guy. This um, is the problem yeah. with prequels. I don't want to accelerate our Obi-Wan conversation, but you know, I've got a whole spiel about what the hell Hayden Christensen's doing in this thing as well. Okay, well, we will get to that. Thank you, Home Dad Abroad. I hope when you listen to this as a podcast episode 17 weeks from now, yeah. uh, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, we haven't we heard have from Home Dad Abroad for some time. I'm I glad know. To, glad to hear from him again. Yeah. Yeah. It's always it's uh, he is specifically a type of the person who writes in wherein I have to take a full breath, like I got to really inhale in order yeah. to get through one sentence. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. We got another one. This is from Chris Saint Saucy Goodnight, also a longtime no. friend of the show. So, uh, I, th I think I've talked about this before, <laughs> but I hate unexpected nudity in comics. Oh. Frankly, I don't think there should be nudity in comics at all. But when it comes in a book from a creator you aren't expecting, like Cullen Bunn, in his last book you'll ever read, it's really jarring. The book might as well be late-night cable porn for as graphic as it is. Heading, headed my back to Chicago, heading back to Chicago next Wednesday for the release of Daniel Warren Johnson's Do a Power Bomb. Mm. So I plan to ask him why he isn't doing the interiors for Jurassic League. I have one tattoo almost finished and I'm starting on a second one at the end of June, hoping to get this one done all at once, but who knows? Really enjoying Bloodstained Teeth and Little Monsters. Both are comic book series. Chris Saint Saucy, good night. Thank you, Chris. Uh, yeah, I am curious why Daniel Warren Johnson isn't doing the interiors for Jurassic League. I assume it's because he did all the interiors for Do a Power Bomb? Question Got other mark? stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am looking forward to Do a Power Bomb because Daniel Warren Johnson's Murder Falcon is so much fun. I loved that book, and they just did a really nice, oversized, hardcover deluxe edition of it. 
with the nice metallic embossed uh, uh, letters on the cover and everything. So very, very cool. Um, oh, and he's also in the comments saying, one of the books I have at home is set in Maniunk. Oh. Yeah. It's called She Gets the Girl. It's a lesbian rom-com. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Brian. What were we going to say? Oh, just uh, to your first topic, uh, Christopher St. Saucy Goodnight, I would say that nudity in comics may be surprising if you see, depending on what book you picked up, but I, I can't agree that nudity has no place in comics any more than in any other medium. Um, right. You know, comics are a, a medium. They're not a kind of story. Uh, they're not a genre. They're just a way of delivering entertainment or or anything. Any any way of a way of delivering whatever you're trying to deliver. And so, to say that a particular kind of content has no place in a medium, um, I, I don't know. I think I think, I I think he that. I think he was attributing it to a specific creator. Like if you mm. pick up an Alan Moore book and you don't see nudity, you go, "What the fuck, Alan? When did you stop being yeah. pervy?" I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. I drive <laughs> to England. Got to be some gratuitous. I drive the whole way. There's got to be some gratuitous boob in here. It's an Alan Moore book, for God's sake. So I don't mm. think he's saying it has no place. I think he's saying from specific creators, you don't expect it. Mm. But I go, yeah. I didn't read the book, so I don't know what unexpected means. I mean, somebody is clothed in one frame, and then the next frame goes, whoops, I'm nude. Like, if I just rip off my shirt right unexpected. now, that would be unexpected and probably yeah. inappropriate. But if it's part you of the story. you have pants on right now, Rob? No. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, but even that is like a bit of a cage for the creator then right like if they've done something then they can't do some other thing I always think about like child stars that uh, seem to get trapped in that kind of thing like especially Disney child stars that have a particular image and then they grow up as do all children that you know uh made me want to do something else, <laughs> you know, and just because your image of them is this, but a lot of this, them, uh, Disney fight style. A lot of the thing. Disney stars do end up ripping off their clothes. They do. Sure. Yeah. But people have a problem with it. That's true. You know, yeah, because true. they were, because their, their picture of this individual is frozen in a particular place and time. Yeah. And so they're not allowed to grow up and do whatever they want to do. Yeah. I have absolutely no problem with nudity in comic books. Mm. Um, I run a drink and draw event where we have a nude model. Um, <laughs> and we all just sit around and draw, draw the nude model and everything. Yeah. So um, I'm also pretty sex positive. So, you know, the human body doesn't really bother me. Um, it's one of my favorite things to look at. It's mm. one of my favorite things to draw. So, um, yeah, it really doesn't bother me when it comes up. Cool. So. Um, thank you so much to uh, you guys for writing in. We appreciate it. If anyone else wants to write in, cultspopgo at gmail.com. Freaking do it. Let's uh, talk about some comic books. You guys want to do that? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, Batman 2022 annual one shot. And that is by Ed Brisson with art by John Timms. Uh, let's see, it says, following the events of the Abyss story arc, bat my eyes burn. This hurts. Ah, 
Um, following the events of the Abyss story arc, Batman has now tasked Ghostmaker to finance and lead Batman Incorporated. First order of business for the new management? Ow. Clean up a huge mess Luther created in Chechnya. But is this new group ready to face fearsome new threat, the Grey Wolf? And prepare yourself for the evolution of Clown Hunter. <coughs> so uh, we were here for the the creation of Ghost Maker as well as the creation of Clown Hunter. I would believe it was during the James Tynan run on Batman after Tom King left. And um, it was drawn by Jorge Jimenez, I think. And one of our main problems was the over designed costumes. Oh, yeah. Um, but also the fact that like Ghostmaker is just sort of shoehorned in as this longtime friend slash foe of Batman that we never heard of until now, even though he's been around since Bruce Wayne was traveling the world in order to learn the skills to become Batman in the first place. Um, and basically does the same thing that Batman does. Like, yeah, is like an yeah. extra Batman. Right. Yes. And he's so, wearing um, white. So how good does that play at night? Right? Yeah. yeah. And he's got MC Hammer pants. You got, my man's got to get caught up. I mean, he's going to get trip over those pants. Yeah, I, I don't want to throw up your narrative, but I mean, this guy looks and acts like Phantom X. Yeah. Oh, from uh, X Men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but anyway, so basically, Batman is poor now. Bruce Wayne is poor. And. He gives the reins of Batman Inc. over to Ghostmaker, and he picks a new team out of the Batman Inc. There's like the home team, and then there's the away team. The home team being like, just stay in your little cities and do what you do. You're not good enough to be on my actual team. Um, they're the bench warmers, I guess. And uh, they go to track down the freaking wolf guy that I've never heard of. I didn't read the last uh, run. So, uh, it started off solid. I was interested when we started off. Uh, I was curious about where it was going. And then about halfway through the book, I just started skipping. I just started skimming through oh. it until I got to the end. I just got bored. I didn't care. Um, I have trouble keeping track of all these different Batman from all the different uh, nationalities or nations. So, um, yeah, I didn't really care about it. I don't care about Ghostmaker still. I don't care about Clown... What's his name? Clown, Clown, Clown Pants. Fucker. Clown or Hunter. Phantom 2. <laughs> yeah, Phantom 2. Like, what? Why? Who's Phantom yeah. 1? There's no Phantom 1. It's, uh, yeah. It's I, so I th- weird. I and his uh, costume. JD, I think you checked out less than five pages in. If it was when they started doing the Batman roll call, that wasn't the halfway mark. That was about... No, no. I got to, I got to Chechnya. Okay. So oh. it's from... I got to Chechnya... For me, Chechnya is where it picked up because, I don't know, Batman Incorporated started, what, 20 years ago? That was a Grant Morrison creation? Yeah. Yeah. So the whole Batman roll call thing kind of felt like, am I picking up a book from 2004? Like, what the hell's going on here? If it wasn't for Phantom X, like, it would be the same book it was from 20 years ago. For me, it actually picked up. Well, I think what happened was, is we haven't seen, we haven't really seen Batman Inc. until recently, but it was revealed that Lex Luthor was now the uh, the bankroller for Batman Inc. Yeah. So yeah, and now it's been turned over to. I guess he gave up somehow, or he got beat. So now Ghostmaker is now the uh, the guy. 
Um, what did you guys think of it? Uh, I thought it was a fine Batman story. Um, uh-huh. I'm, Good. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> all right, that was, that was a cool Batman story. I liked the Chechnya stuff. I liked Grey Wolf's uh, turn there where you know, it turns out. Like yeah, he was, he was doing the right thing the whole time. Um, the, speaking of costumes, uh, Clown Hunter's costume, which even Clown Hunter is not on board with, uh, is crazy. There is like a yeah. lot of things going on, none of which seem to relate to him being called Clown Hunter, other than <laughs> yeah. maybe kind of the headdress is sort of similar to what he had before. Um, what yeah. What's the little logo on his chest here? It's like a nine? Was it a heart? I think it's a apostrophe. What is this? I don't know. Is that? Yeah, you're right. That's I think an it awful is a nine. costume. It's pointing, yeah, it's, it's, it's pointing down to his penis. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's what, so, like that's Batman, Batman do. has the big yellow bat to like shoot here, right? But he's yeah. got he's got the shoot pointer like shoot my crotch. dick, please shoot me directly in the crotch. Right. Yeah. Yes. He's yeah. got all of his all of his armors down below. He's yeah. an adamantium cod piece. Yeah, why is it a nine? What? Am, never. I don't care. Go on. Continue. Uh, Sorry. It's uh, it's probably that number nine guy from Futurama, who was revealed later in the series. Oh, it was great. They had him in the background, like all throughout the original series, and then later on, it was like, oh yeah, he's this important guy. It was cool. He had a number yeah. nine on his chest. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun. The art was pretty good. Um, it was the you know Batman Incorporated story, which I've always kind of been. Yeah, you know, so so on. I think Batman Incorporated is a it's a cool enough idea, but it's not one that I'm ever like, oh sweet, a Batman never, Incorporated book. It never seems to happen or stand up as an organization. Like it always seems yeah. like we're going to form Batman Incorporated, and then they bring Bruce Wayne back just to be yeah. normal old Batman. Or he just Batman Incorporated is operating somewhere, but you never see any. You never of their see what's going on. Adventures, yeah. nothing happens, and I think. Is this one of those things that Grant Morrison took from way earlier? Was there like one Silver Age story that dealt with Batman Incorporated? Something like that, I'm sure. Yeah. It seems like, yeah. What does Kevin have to say here? Kevin says, he's down in the chat going, I want to hate Ghostmaker, but every time Ghost and Bat interact, I chuckle. Batman having a teen girl Esquire? What does ESQ mean? Uh, oh, teen girl esque yes. frenemy. A teen girl esque yes. frenemy is ridiculous. I see the fact that they're constantly just sort of like yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I think teen, teen girl esquire would be a good you know, like teen <laughs> yeah. drama. She was a lawyer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Christopher Goodnight says, "I love Ghostmaker. Can't I love his look? Can't wait for the McFarland figure." So. <laughs> Is it a teen girl or is it a he? He's saying that, I think Kevin is saying that their relationship is not unlike a teen girl's Girls, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I thought it was a dude. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. All right. Who is, yeah, the, and this deal that they have, it's like, all right, I told you I would stay out of Gotham if you stay out of any city I'm operating in. And, like, all of these things. Ghostmaker should should be a fairly major presence in the DC universe at large. 
Yeah. Yes. And should and should have been for some time if he's going to be occupying this role. And I, have a, I have a quick question. Uh, isn't Batman dead? No, he's fine. Don't, yeah, the death of the Justice League? Yeah, I don't eh, I don't think that's really affecting any of the other books for now. I think okay. it's like its own. Well, sure. Why not? I think it's happening in a just a different time frame than the other things. Um, and it also hasn't you know how things are sometimes a few months off. Uh, sure. Look at these pants. Look at these goddamn pants. Look at these. Unbelievable. Oh, those are MC Hammer pants. That's what I said. I think. Yeah. Are oh. they even pants, or is it just like sort of a dress with with ankle parts? It's technically, it's technically yeah, pants. Right, technically yeah. pantaloons. Yeah. Jesus, it's so. It looks so ridiculous. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't. No, I'm I, sorry. I'm, the more we talk about this book, the more I don't care about it. Anything else before we move on? No. Nah, not before. I don't know. All right. Closet number one. The Closet number one. From uh, James Tynan IV. With art by Gavin Fullerton and Chris O'Halloran. Uh, this is a horror book. This is one of three from Image Comics. Uh, let's see. A Tale of Existential Family Horror by blah, 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 blah. Tom is moving cross-country with his family and dragging the past along with them. His son, Jamie, is seeing monsters in the bedroom closet and will not let them go. So this was one of those, what do you call them, substacks? Yes. Um, yeah, this is a James, James Tynan substack that is now seeing print. And James Tynan is probably my favorite writer right now. Him and Tom King are sort of neck and neck with the amount of books that they're writing that I'm really enjoying. Something is Killing the Children is really good. Uh, nice House on the Lake, Department of Truth, uh, and now the Closet. I actually and find so I'm basically. A, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was actually going to say it's amazing. Tinian, for the longest time, I mean, he was in Scott Snyder's shadow. He went even to Scott Snyder's writing class at NYU, and Scott kind of picked him up and said, ooh, I like you. Come write for DC Comics. I'm enjoying, we were going to review a Snyder book in a few minutes, I'm enjoying Tinian's stuff more than Snyder's stuff at this point. The uh, student has student has overcome the master. It's true. I yeah. agree. Um, so basically, we've got this kid, and uh, his dad is trying he's, he's he's married right there's a mom and dad and there's a kid and, and the, the dad tries but he just keeps messing up um when we first see him he's at the bar and he's having a couple of beers and they're moving in the next day or so and the wife is at home moving and he thinks he should be at home helping her move but every time he does something like he does it wrong and gets yelled at and Etc. Etc. So he's like, I'm gonna. Here's my plan. I'm gonna go buy tape to tape up the boxes, and then when I get home, all the boxes will be ready to go, and I'll just tape them up. But even the bartender he's talking to goes, um, "You still need the tape to start the boxes," <laughs> which is a very good point. Uh, and he's like, "Ah, all right. Well, I'll just sit here and keep drinking." And then we get home. The the mom and the dad have a fight, and the kid is terrified of what's in his closet there's a monster in his closet and the dad's like well we're moving we're never going to see that closet again don't worry about it but then spooky shit happens and uh, i was actually uh, i was like oh that is that's pretty that's pretty goddamn spooky 
Uh, I like that a lot. I like the way it ended. What did you guys think of it, Brian? Um, I thought it was engaging and mm-hmm. well done. Uh, I also noted the thing about the taping up the boxes yeah. uh, as as a particularly good part of the of the story. Also, the, <clears throat> the some advice is given that they pretend to keep a monster away. Uh, they pretend that oh, this right. water is <laughs> unicorn piss. And so good. Yeah. And, um, this, you know, the, the, in the story, this, the bartender's friend does this and he gives this advice to the guy and the guy, so there was a pretty good character moment of how kind of crappy he is at it. It's like, just fills up the cup from the tap right in front of the kid. And it's like, this is unicorn piss. With no <laughs> mystery or artistry about yeah. it at all. The kid literally says, no, it's not. I right. saw you pour I that. I just saw you do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought, then, I thought it was well done. But then on top of that, on top mm-hmm. of that, though, he's like, ah, don't worry about it. This is unicorn piss. And, uh, you know, you know how dogs spray their pee on things so that yeah. uh, other animals don't go near it? And the kid goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just right. goes ah shit and just gives yeah, up the yeah. whole pretense <laughs> right yeah it was, um, it was so good go ahead and yet even so the dad seems to have like a, a closer relationship with the kid it seems like they're setting up one of those like the dad is the fun one kind of oh yes kind yeah. of things right um all that being said i felt like this i would have liked a little bit more of the main idea of this story, um, which I find is a common thing with first issues that, that we've been reading recently, where um, if you read all, all of them at once, it would it's probably better, uh, rather than just seeing a tease of what is happening in this universe that's different from our own right at the very end. Because um, it, it is also a very cool thing that's in that closet. Um, yeah, and so I'm interested to see more, but yeah, that's what my, I felt about. I actually, with regard to like this being a first issue, after I was done, mm. it almost felt like a one shot. Yeah, like oh. this could have been this could have ended the way it ended exactly the same, and it would have been the end of the story, and I'd have been like, that was that was still a cool story. Like, yeah, it, if I almost prefer it as a one shot because then it's really sort of, it lets the mind sort of like mm. wonder what's going to happen. It's just sort of like one of those endings that's just sort of dark and like, oh shit. I think we didn't even need a second issue or third issue, but uh, I'm going to read two and three. But I just thought it was like, oh, yeah. you just, it could just be like a Tales from the Crypt ending right there. No, that's a good point. And none of my criticism of that would apply if it was a one shot. Like if this was yeah. the whole story, that would be enough of that monster or whatever it is um it's it seems like we've gotten this a lot recently with issue number ones where the first 80 percent of issue one is the normal world that's setting up characters or what have you um and then we don't get to like the thing that's different about this world until the very end of of issue one of a limited series uh rob what did you think I don't know. I'm of, I'm of two minds. I don't know if this is a recent phenomenon. I think it is more indicative of just the serialized nature of how comics work. I think Tinian did right by this in setting up the characters, right, and taking a good chunk of the book to do that. 
Yeah, it would have been nice if it was a half and half, if we got a little bit of a taste, uh, just, you know, a little morsel of, is it interdimensional? Is this thing an alien? Is this thing a monster? Yeah, that would have been nice. But if it's only three issues as opposed to like 10, um, I'm, I'm a little more okay with the pacing in a three issue format. And I see Christopher's comment here. I like the closet, but I hate three issue books. Frankly, anything less than 10 issues just needs to come out as a graphic novel. Then I say, wait for graphic novels. And you really don't want to have the serialized nature of having your thirst whetted and appetite. Uh, you know, you can't wait for your appetite to be satiated. Then yes, wait for the graphic novels to come out. But I think that's just serial pacing at this point. As far as the characterization was concerned, um, spot fucking on. I mean, it was the embodiment of middle-aged malaise. I mean, it was just beautiful. And I love that the child is probably the smartest and most self-aware being in the household. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I yeah. could I could relate to that dad too. Uh, there's oh, been yeah. times where I've done like just dumb shit. And my wife is like, "Oh, bud, come on, you know." Yeah, I've got, I've got, I'm I'm riddled with ADHD. So uh, uh, this this spoke to me. And hiding at the bar is sometimes easier, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, what were we gonna say? Oh, just <clears throat> I think the pacing issue, or not issue. I think the pacing that you were noting, Rob, is. The difference between now when graphic novels are so much a thing. Yeah. Um, that in traditional comics from 20 years ago, back mm-hmm. to the 40 comics. 40 years ago. Right. <laughs> like, well, yeah, but graphic novels came out then, but were things really written for graphic novels? No, I mean, it, it is it is the trade pacing conversation, I think, that you see yeah. in the difference between the Silver Age into yeah. the modern age, right? I mean, once trades became a thing, they really started to cut back on... I mean, you can see it from a page count standpoint. I mean, page mm. counts have dwindled drastically and dramatically over the years, and especially when you look at how everything's now being distributed digitally, I think it's been pulled back mm. even further, Right. We're seeing even fewer pages, uh, you know, per issue because they know it's just so easy to print and distribute at this point. And most people uh, are going to imbibe it from from the trade pacing and from the trade outlets. Right. Because there's so many more outlets to be able to procure the comics. Yeah, OK. That's that's right. it. <laughs> that's all there I was is waiting for Brian class. to respond to it. So I got. I didn't. Yeah, noted. I don't disagree with Listen. any of that, nor do I have anything uh, in particular to add. Fantastic. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a great dialogue. Says department. Department of Truth is starting to wear a little thin. Is anyone here reading Department of Truth? Not I. Not anymore. No. Okay. Um, yeah, we did Department of Truth Volumes 1 and 2 for the book club. Um, every Tuesday night we have a Zoom book club for the shop. And, uh, man, I really liked both volumes of that. Rob, you should check that out. Yeah. If you, have you read a single issue of it? No. It's basically, there's a clandestine government agency whose sole purpose it is to protect reality. Because when too many people start to believe any conspiracy theory yeah. it starts to rewrite the world Ooh, the mandela effect yes i've always heard of that as the morgan freeman effect 
It's weird, but shocking. You would call it the Mandela. You piece of shit. Nice. <laughs> I'm trying to get that going. I think that would be a nice response to anybody that yeah. says anything about the Mandela. What are you talking about? That's yeah, it's called the Morgan Freeman effect. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. Have you heard Mandela effect? What? Um, all I know um, is I love Nelson Mandela as a narrator. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, uh, oh, my right. thing with that, it's so, it's so like, so frequently is just, no, I remember it very clearly the right way. And I can see why you've made this mistake, but no, I remember when Kazam came out, yeah. it was called Kazam yeah. and Shaquille O'Neal was in it. Like, that's what it was. Um, you know, it's interesting, Department of Truth, I wonder if we'll get to the idea of doing something good with that, right? What if everybody right. believed it's something really great? In Santa Claus. Yeah, it yeah. seems like that would be a good way for something really great to happen. Well, you know what? I imagine there's a lot of kids on the planet who believe in Santa Claus. You'd think that would, huh, I hope they do touch on that. Yeah. That's what they touch on. They, they do touch on Flat Earth. They touch on JFK. Right. Uh, in a very, very important way in the book. It's a very big part of the book. And it's not like it has to be a majority of people that believe it. It's just, right. no, just enough, enough people to tip the and balance. then it starts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. I really like it. You should check it out. So JFK was, so JFK was real? The, he was the a guy? real person, yeah. Okay. He was a real guy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite was, what you yeah. may have seen I, on your yeah. on your televisions. I saw it went right from Eisenhower to Johnson. Okay. <laughs> um, Justice League Road to Dark Crisis oh God. One Shot and this is from DC Comics with uh, it's written and arted by various folks Yeah, let's cool. see Joshua Williams Jeremy Adams Brandon Thomas Chuck Brown Stephanie Phillips Philip Kennedy Johnson art by Clayton Henry and Manuela Lupacino and a bunch of other people the Justice League has tragically fallen in battle and now we see the aftermath how does the world react to the Justice League being gone? Which heroes rise up and which villains try to take advantage? And what dark forces are lying in wait to attack? An all-star, well, uh, a star <laughs> roster of talent, DC talent showcases a world without a Justice League and sets the stage for next month's Dark Crisis event. So when we were planning out the books to read and talk about, this was on the list, and then Brian was like, well, Noel and I were talking about it. Noel was like, it's, it's not, I don't really care about it. Uh, I bet Brian will love it, though. I bet it'll be uh, right up Brian's alley. And then uh, Brian chimed in. He's like, oh, we could probably skip it. Yeah. Not much happens. What did you think of it, Brian? So it, my feeling about it was it was fine. It was a, a set of stories in the DC universe. This cover, however, is like very misleading and complete nonsense. Justice League Road to Dark Crisis, it all starts here. It started in a previous book that we read. Uh, I guess yes. Death of the Justice League, right? This is largely small two-character reactions to the thing that happened in that comic. Yes. Where like, this is not a road to dark crisis. This is a side story, kind of a very common thing in events. Like, you have, like, a little anthology book where you've got a bunch of 
short stories that don't really impact anything. They're just kind of some character's point of view on what's happening, and they can be good or or not good. Um, none of these were bad. They're I like the Flash story. I thought the Dick Grayson, uh, Jonathan Kent story was cool, um, but it it was not what it said what it set us up to be. Oh, the Green Lantern Aquaman one was even cool. Like each individual story was fine. They're just not anything of consequence in a book that looks like it was the beginning of their event kind of uh, story, and it wasn't. I do you know. think that this one um, that I have up on the screen now is pretty related. The pariah, right? Because it's yeah, it probably pariah, is. Yeah. yeah, pariah um, sort of going on the road to creating the dark crisis. Like this is the only one in here was like, oh, okay, this is the road to dark crisis. Yeah. This one makes sense. But even this, I feel like this has already happened in a different book. You know, we've already seen Pariah as the, as the bad guy behind this, or at least on the side of the bad guys. Um, yeah. And I felt like I this think, even was a prequel to it. Yeah. I think that this little tidbit, the Pariah tidbit, yeah. Should have been in the death of the Justice League. Yeah. Issue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just, it was an anthology book of a kind that DC and Marvel frequently do. Um, but there wasn't anything that stood out about any of them. None of them, I think, could be their own story enough for something really interesting to happen. They're all just kind of a little bit of a reflection of this other story that's happening. Um I'm a little intrigued as to this thing that's happening in Gotham with the various villains. That may be more of a road to it than we realize. Yeah. Um, and the, I also the, don't know Nocturna very well, but I like yeah. her in this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know I like her she, at all, yeah. I don't think. I don't, yeah, I don't... But she seems pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and she, you know, she's here and she's fighting Stephanie Brown, the spoiler, mm -hmm. and... They just sort of stop fighting midway yeah. through and just start yeah. talking. And I'm like, oh, this is great. I really like this conversation. Yeah. Um, I like this character a lot. I'm really curious about this. Who's this? Who's this guy down here? Who's this guy with the bug eyes on the far, the, the bottom right? I do not know. I don't know who he is, but he looks like somebody from like the Venture Brothers or something. I can see that. Definitely. <laughs> like the moth looks, or something. I don't know. Looks like a superpowers figures. King figure what if yeah. what if blue okay. what if blue beetle grew a goatee yeah. <laughs> gosh well what did you think rob i think the road to dark crisis is paved with who gives a fuck gravel um the the, the i this just did nothing for me and did not really pique my interest to say oh i've got to jump back in and read dark crisis um also None of the characters even believe the Justice League is dead. I mean, they almost had two yeah. of the vignettes focus on the fact that, yeah. like, no, nah, they're not dead. Don't worry about it. They're just, you know, they're they're just trapped they're somewhere. They're just taking a nap. They're resting. Yeah. So, yeah. again, why, why, guys? Why do we, why do we do pull this ruse of killing and not killing? I also thought the Flash artwork was really janked. There was some just weird, Yo. wow. You know me. I don't like to. I don't like to talk poorly about artwork uh, in books. But woof, that was rough. That yeah. is not. That is not a DC 
that's not ready for prime time. No, I mean, Maybe. just Barry Allen was just distorted, legs akimbo everywhere. It was just not, no, not well crafted. However, with the Nocturna story by Clayton Henry. Well done. That was the best looking sequence in the whole book. I love Clayton really Henry's I, I thought the pariah was very good too, especially with, yeah, you know, I agree. with the grayscale. I mean, I thought that was, you know, really yeah. interesting choices they made, made in that piece. And I, agree. I think the final page of the Flash story was good. Um, yeah. I think that's a, it's a good Flash image. And the, yeah, I think that, I like that. I hate um, that. Uh, oh, but I like, I mean, I don't have a problem with the rest of the art either. But um, the Green Lantern, uh, Green Lantern Aquaman story was some capable art. Far work, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. fine. Yeah. That was like house style looking. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, look at this. Look at this. There, that, that, that. Yeah, that, it's that. a bit off. Wow. There. A bit? Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, oof. Uh, oof. Although, I'll hey, be honest with you guys, I don't think I note art as much. Well, certainly not as much as you, JD. Like, I will, if I really like it, or if there's something, like, particularly interesting about it, then, mm-hmm. you know, then I'm into it. But... If it's not great, I almost never notice until one of you guys points it out, and I'm like, "All right, yeah. I okay, mean, there's, there's just there's just a difference yeah. between stylized and bad. Like, you know, what I call the clo- oh, sure. what I call the closet, you know, the photorealistic, picture perfect, accurate. No, mm-hmm. but it was stylized in such a way that you know, I, I was never taken out of the story. When they try to go with a hyper realistic look, and then they throw in and the Flash's jaw is melting. I'm like, no, it's just, it's lazy. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the, what's that? I was going to say, even this Dan Jurgens is not quite on par with what Jurgens used to provide. Well, which is to be expected. Well, it's a, I I mean, that one's, that one's also a boring as shit story. I mean, it's just them talking for most of the issue. Well, I like also, this panel, though. I had nostalgia for this top yeah. left panel. Me too. Like, yeah, the Batman good. costume and the old Nightwing costume. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they got the arm I was like, oh, on. I guess that costume is in continuity. I wonder how long you wore that for in you know, like About for, for a few weeks. <laughs> right. Um, I kind of like the idea that some of them are aware that apparent deaths are not permanent mm-hmm. because... Yeah. How could they not be, right? It's like, it's less realistic for them to not know that than it is to know it. Um, One of my favorite ways that they handle the character death in the last 20 years was Batman, where they thought he died, but we knew he didn't. So I thought that that was great because we pretty much knew that anyway. But this way, we could see whatever he's doing, but the characters, so we could still see how they react thinking that he is dead. I'm, I'm, going um, to, I'm going to say this crassly and I am sorry, but I really can't think you can't unpop the cherry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like once Superman died and they pulled back and they said, Nope, sorry guys, he's not dead. I, I just don't think you can ever really come back from that. Yeah. Can't put I, the genie back in the bottle, right? Yeah. That's that a much a better way. way to say it. Though. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. Did. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You can't, you can't reseal the genie's cherry. Exactly. You can't pull the butt plug out of the genie's asshole and then put it back into the genie's asshole in a, <laughs> and in expect, a expect more forceful genie. manner. 
expected Jimmy's hymen to sing. Yes. You cannot expect those things. You cannot. Right. You can lean a hymen to water. Yeah. You, I don't know. But you can't make it um, pop. So anyway, Kevin says, I try to avoid these types of books from the big two. They generally seem to not really give you much story for the price. That is certainly true. Correct. Here. I agree yeah. with you, Kevin. Yeah. There are definitely times where I really enjoy the anthology book that you just get little bits, um, little short stories. And they're not usually all good. Like, when was the last time they've done one where they're all good? But it can be fun to see, like, oh, here's a, a wide variety of characters from this from this publisher in stories that aren't of much consequence. They're just interesting little stories. Part of it might be the size of it, you know, and just having a few, like one or two more pages to work with. But I think mostly it's about, this is constrained to the dark crisis stuff. What's that JD? Is that the dark crisis itself? Ooh. Yeah. Dark crisis. Number one comes out this week. Um, I'm flipping through it. It actually looks pretty interesting. Yeah. It does it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It does. I don't and think this really nice. Oh, cool. Who's doing the art? Uh, somebody I don't know. Sempere? Semp? Sempar? Sem? Uh, Let's see. S-A-M-P-E-R-E. Uh, Daniel go. Sempere. Oh, nice. And I, yeah, I wouldn't judge Dark Crisis on this at all. Like, I think no. this has absolutely nothing to do with it, despite what the title claims. As a newbie, uh, I'm going to consider myself a newbie at this point because I've been out of it for so long. If I uh -huh. pick this up, I think just think it's a bad move as far as, hey, pick this up this week to come in and join Dark Crisis. No. Oh, I agree. Uh, very bad. Oh, that's really good art. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's really nice looking. I'm excited for the first issue. Yeah. It's got to be better than this one. Yeah. Yeah, this seems like a really bad move marketing-wise. This is the kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, if anything, it'll like, like people would not pick up Dark Crisis. Right. Like this gives you no idea as to what it's going to be. No. It's just like I said, these characters' reflections on an event that has already happened. Which really, like, Death of the Justice League was the road to Dark Crisis. This comic should have come out after Dark Crisis number one, if they wanted to yes. put it out, and have it just be. Here's some characters that are reacting to Dark Crisis. They really should not have had this come out. I mean... Yeah. Sure. At all. <laughs> right. Uh, Brian's like, this could come out later. No, just don't come out. Just don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kevin says, never judge an event on its prelude issues. That's what my mom always told me. Oh, classic, she's, classic she's, she's, she's wrong. You should judge them. We should well, judge them on the prelude issues. Why? Why have the prelude issue then? Money. Uh, I'll counter that the Please. prelude issue is more of a marketing decision, and the event is hopefully at least more of an artistic endeavor. That you know that one person is writing, and the prelude issues may not be connected to it artistically. Yeah, I'm, I've you know. been in marketing for twenty years. We're pure yeah. evil. By the way, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. we're really just out to suck money yeah. from you. Yeah, Always absolutely. grubbing your monies. We, we should not be in yeah. charge of anything. No. <laughs> and yet somehow the, the money people have it's, come to be in charge of so many things. It's weird. It's your fault that the, <laughs> the clone saga went on for three goddamn years. Absolutely. Uh, Bleed the stone, baby. Did, 
<laughs> did you guys read Phalanx, the Phalanx? Uh, I read it. I did. Phalanx, the Phalanx. <laughs> they Phalanx, <laughs> that Phalanx. You couldn't stop them. The, the way the way the uh, it's spelled is like the Fallon X. Fallon X. It's like a capital X. The Fallon X. The Fallon X. Um, I didn't yeah. bother. Uh, didn't when bother I saw what this it? was, I didn't bother. When I saw what it was, I said, "Nah, I'm good." Uh, what was it? But you guys could talk about it. Phalanx one shot from Image Comics, written and drawn by Jonathan Luna. Inspired since 1992 by the series that launched Image Comics, writer and artist Jonathan Luna, Alex Nada, 20XX, creates an homage to honor its 30th anniversary with The Phalanx. So the book in question is, I believe, Wildcats. And yeah. even this cover uh, is a homage to Wildcats number one. Uh, with, and even at the bottom, it says Luna after Lee, which means after Jim Lee, who drew the original cover. And uh, I was like, oh, that looks neat. I wonder what that is. And then I picked it up. And right here on the first page, um, on the inside front cover, it sort of explains the deal. Um, reading Image Comics for the ne first, next few years, being inspired by the art and stories, and knowing what the company stood for, I knew I just wanted to make comics with them when I grew up, etc. blah, blah, blah. Um... This is a project I've wanted to do since I was 13. In it, there are types of superheroes I created then. It's my way of saying thanks to Image Comics and its publisher. So I went, oh, I see. This is going to be just like my least favorite part of Image Comics, which was its inception, where everything was not great uh, story-wise and everything was very much about the artwork, less about the writing. And then the very first, very first panel, we get, hey, fuck nut. Get back here with that. And I went, I'm good. I'm done. I don't care about this. I, I know what this is. I don't, it's not speaking to me. Uh, I don't have nostalgia for early years of image comics. So I just, I stopped right there. I stopped at the end of page one. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think? Robert. Yeah. Everybody thinks that, uh, everybody forgets that image comics actually killed the comic industry for a few years. Everybody seems to yeah. forget that fact. Um, I was very excited for this because I saw Luna on the cover and I went, ooh, yay, Luna Brothers, Alex and Ada, one of my favorites of the past few years. I then went and saw only Jonathan Luna. And I went, well, where's yes. the other brother Luna? And I found out that there was some nasty, nasty misgivings yeah. between those two boys. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So uh, that's that why I think Noel, Noel has just given up on any Luna project. He's just like, I don't want to read anything from Jonathan Luna. He like abused his brother, et cetera. Yeah. And I, you Supposedly. know, that's, I that I think is sad. So, I mean, I walked into this with a bit of a tainted, the double taint, let's call it. Um, two taints, one taint two that taints. you're talking about JD from early image, not a fan. Um, and then that other one with Jonathan, not being a great guy, even given that still, there is a cool little sci-fi element to this, but I don't feel like he leaned into it enough. They do this. Okay. Essentially the whole thing takes you back in time to the early nineties when image came out, right. Or the whole story transports you back to 1992 but not having seen these characters before, not having any history with these characters before, just focusing on that with the time travel, I just don't think was enough of a hook, right? They could have done so much more with the fact that they were in the early 90s, but that's just completely glossed over. It's not, I think if he integrated it more into the story, 
this would have been a little bit more interesting because you don't really learn a hell of a lot about these characters, right? I mean, just like early image comics, they're just a cool name and some spandex. You don't really know what their powers are. You, you just don't know why they're important enough to make that the focal point of the story. So good effort. You know, I'm going to give this like a solid C though. Okay. Brian, what'd you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I did not care for image when it came out. I wanted nothing to do with these upstart <laughs> comic great characters, you know, and um, it was it was some years until I got into some, you know, like non-Marvel or DC thing. So I wasn't sure if this was a pre-existing property uh, that they that he was referencing. Um, but I kind of assumed that it was. And then the one, the girl that grows reminded me kind of of a Gen 13 character. Yes. And I thought, oh, is that is this that person? Um and I thought the traveling back thing was cool. Oh, the girl that grows, I thought it was interesting. She she grows and rips out of her shirt and her breasts are are out there. Um, yeah. And she's, you know, doing her thing. And then it isn't until she shrinks back down that she, like, covers herself, which I thought was unusual because she's still, like, she's just as exposed in this other form. Um but yeah, but she's sort of like a feel... Hulk character, so she yeah. probably doesn't feel as. You're right. I just think it's interesting. Inhibited. Yeah. It's, hard, yeah. it's also yeah, yeah. hard to punch while covering your boobs. Have you have you tried it? All the time. Okay. <laughs> well, you'll get there one day, Rob. Don't worry. I mean, like do, do <laughs> one and just punch with the one arm. I mean, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I switch, kind of oh, go back okay. and forth. Yeah, yeah that's Softball. how I do it. But. Um, uh, I thought the sci-fi hook was cool where she has traveled back to this time and knows about these people. Um, this very much is is like one of those, uh, like the amalgam age of comics or whatever, where this is only one issue, but they're acting as though there's going to be more issues. Um, okay. And, I mean, or maybe it's not. Maybe there will be more of this. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to see what... What comes of it? This person from the future, knowing what their futures are, um, apparently staying in 1992. It probably isn't something that would motivate me to actually pick it up, but uh, it's it's like almost there. It's almost at that okay. at that point. Yeah, um, I also like the Luna Brothers a lot, and don't really have much experience with just Jonathan Luna. I was looking at the thing in the back. Uh, girls, uh, not girls. Uh, the sword is the one that I um, that I started with. Girls is is them, but I never read that. Alex Ameda is phenomenal. That's what I hear, and yeah. I think I I bought some of it and never got to it, having recently read the sword. Um, and uh, I I still would love to check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's a good. It's a good sort of slow, slowly paced. Hmm. sci-fi story yeah it's, it's essentially it's you know sci-fi when ai sex dolls evolve to relationship dolls and you know the, impl- oh. the implications of you know what is a robot you know and where do you draw those lines of when does humanity and you know, what is that inception of life yeah. do you guys occasionally ask your amazon devices if they want to continue doing what they're doing 
I think it's important that we do that. Yeah. I to get uh, no, but I love consent. this. Did you see the new South Park? Um, not new yeah. at this point. It's probably a year and a half ago at this point. But we're in the future. Uh, Lexi is actually it's 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 a wife. No. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's very Alexa. Yeah, Alexa basically becomes your wife and nags you into purchases. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's the South Park COVID specials. Uh, all right, let's move on to the last book before we get to Obi Wan. We have Demons number three from Greg Snyder and uh, Greg Capullo. Um, Dark Horse Comics. Faith it's is Scott put Snyder? to the Scott Snyder. What did I say? Oh, oh Scott Snyder yeah. and Greg Capullo. Thank you. You got it. Faith is put to the ultimate test as Lamb and Gus face the demons of their past. The angelic and demonic forces of the world collide in this show-stopping first arcs finale. Now, Brian read one and two, yes? I did, yes. Rob, did you read one and two? I did, yes. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, awesome. So, uh... I um hmm. I think uh, with issues one and two, I felt like I enjoyed them well enough. And then with issue three, somehow I don't know if it was my mood or what, but it's 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 like a it's a good wrap up to the three issue first arc. Hmm. And um, you know, I think each issue is like a double sized issue, so it, it's you get a lot of bang for your buck on these. But I don't know if I was just sort of worn out or tired, but I just was like not emotionally invested, but I thought the ideas were kind of cool at first, but then I just felt myself just sort of like not bored, but just not emotionally invested in anything that was happening. Um, I do think that the demons cursing feels kind of edge edge lordy. It doesn't really, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense that demons would curse, but it just seems so is a little, comes across as a little silly. What did you guys think, Rob? I want to challenge Scott Snyder, and I want to see 40% less. Yes, absolutely. With our double taints. Um, I want to see 40% less narrative boxes, 40% less call-out boxes. Scott tends to be a little too verbose in the margins. It wasn't so bad in this issue, but in the first couple, good God. I mean... Yeah. Some, some of the preamble, it's just not how I want to read a comic. It's more in prose. He did a book a few years ago um, with Jeff Lemire, and it's about the end of the world. And I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was like a three... AD After Death. AD After Death, thank you. Um, he at least owned it in that, right? But I think back to his Batman run, he did the same thing. He just He does not embrace the dialogue serial nature of comics, I think, as much as he could or should. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful story. It was well done. I mean, it was more like a picture book than necessarily a comic book. Um, And and I recommend it. It was a great story. But Scott just does not lean into the dialogue, back-and-forth talk nature of comics, I think, as much as he could or should. Um, The story itself for this one... He leans into this god particle and demon particle, and I think where we're feeling a malaise in the third issue is there's no payoff for it, right? Okay, so what that these particles fall? Okay, so we're just basically looking at the same old story of good and evil, walking away from the science part of its inception. 
also there's uh, like this issue specifically um, talks a lot about this is a fall of man story. Fall of man. It's going to end poorly. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it doesn't at mm. all. It, no, quite it, the opposite. Yeah. Not, nothing no. about this was the fall of man. Uh, no. What? Okay. Yeah, because even at the end, she says, like, but then that also means it's, it can be a rise of man story, which would have been totally fine. I mean, if it had been a completely different story that did have the fall of man a, and then the they're like, well, yeah. right. But it doesn't it doesn't have to end on a downbeat um, to for that to uh, be legitimate for them to call it that. Uh, but also. I think issue three is the first place that that was introduced. I don't think they yeah. said from issue one, like this is a fall of man story. Um, I think JD, you were saying the lack of emotional attachment for me, this is a very, uh, by the numbers kind of story yeah. where, you know, they've plugged in their different, you know, like, uh, in this world, it's a metal that they make swords out of kind of thing, you know, and, and the demons inhabit people in this way kind of deal. Um, so they've, they've put in their, their unique spin in the particular parts of the story that they have chosen to do that. But a lot of it is, you know, pretty, pretty boilerplate. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was cool to read. I liked the twist at the end um, where Cash wasn't wrong about these things, uh, this halo metal coming down. It's just that the metals call to themselves. And since humanity keeps calling the horn metal down, that's what comes down. But they have to be there to call the halo metal down. And then they do. And it works. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's... I think, again, it's like, it's well done. The art's good. Uh, It's not anything that I'm I'm particularly interested in seeing what happens. Also, these people, now that you have it on the screen, um, those people are the people from before, right? They're the group. Yes. So... I guess they didn't get on the boat. I guess they didn't. You know, I guess they weren't blown up by the thing... That, that we were told was blowing them up at that moment, yeah. which is fine, but there's no reference to it even. that They yeah, never they say, like, up. hey, we didn't get on that boat. Good thing. Also, yep. have they even worn those masks before? Because we've seen well, them they... in their suits, but I don't think we've seen yeah. them in those masks. No. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, which makes they, it doubly sort they, of like... How did they see? Yeah. Well, they have the <sighs> halo metal. Bro. Okay. Oh yeah, that, I, didn't, I didn't think of that. I'm sorry. Well, you know <laughs> it, it's, it's like wearing it's like they're wearing pantyhose over their faces. You just can't. Tell yeah. Them. Okay. Yeah. It's exactly really like that. Oh. Um, you know, it's just there's a lot of emotional beats in this book. Mm-hmm. Like, my father turns out he was a demon. We didn't know it. And so his corpse reanimates and we have to fight my dead father's corpse, which is now a demon. And then, oh my God, his new, his, you know, his wife, she, she turns out she's been a demon this whole time. And like, I I didn't care. There's there's like emotional beats in this that should resonate 
and none of them do. Except for, I will say, this one, this one demon, whose name I've forgotten, because all the names are freaking weird. Oh, this is Gus. Um, <laughs> not as weird. Very, not, not as weird a name. But, uh, um, yeah, Gus, the big demon, has to fight his entire tribe yeah. who oh. have been turned into demons, including this very little girl. That's, yeah. his, that's, his, da- that's his daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's his daughter. Um, he has to kill his wife and daughter who have been taken over by demons. And uh, that, that I was like, that's brutal. That's rough. Even that um, could have, that could have been a bigger part of this story where the possibility that they were alive mm-hmm. had, could have been hinted at earlier yeah. or we could have seen them elsewhere or something. Um, yeah. Cause I, I agree. That was an emotional part of the story and kind of came out of nowhere and then, yeah. you know, as part of this, like, Denny Ma, um, and then was ended relatively quickly. Like, I think yes. the, his emotional reaction was good, but there wasn't, it wasn't that big a part of the story for something that could have been a really big part. And seeing the dad in the beginning, I think it was hampered by him not looking like the dad at all. Yeah, he like, turns into just, a giant demon. Right, and it's like, I'm your dad, and they're like, you're not my real dad. It's like, well, it seems, <laughs> it seems no, <laughs> he's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, if he didn't look like a giant horned demon, right. it would be, I think it would be a lot more emotionally resonant for this woman to have to kill her father. Right, even if yeah. he had some demonic traits, but still yeah. was drawn in the way that we've seen that character drawn before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be difficult for me to to fight this thing emotionally. Right. If it was like previously my mom, I'm like, all right, well you're not now. Two right. Weeks. And it's it's yeah. clearly a separate entity that also looks completely different. It's not like, oh, it's it's actually her dad who is a bad guy or something, right? It's like a different being in I guess just the same physical matter that it is completely reconfigured. Yeah, they made oh. an, They at least made an effort with the daughter for her to be at least more childlike and naive. Gus's daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was all right. Um, I don't, I don't really care. Uh, I felt like I was into the first two issues. Like, oh, this is pretty cool. A lot of mythology is pretty fun, uh, interesting stuff. And then this one just sort of like left me a little cold. I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I think Rob, you were right about the science part too. Like. That could have been a bigger part of it. It would be an interesting, an interesting part of it. I think. Yeah, they just walked away. I mean, he's playing with the concept of the god particle, right? I mean, he's playing yeah. with that concept of what started the Big Bang, and you know, it's almost like Infinity Gems. Like you know, there were these, you know, these pieces of good and evil that went out into the universe, and they started to come back yeah. and and look for life. It would have been interesting to see more of that. It needed more in general. It and maybe we will. You know, I mean, maybe there is more coming. But, yeah. I wonder if, if this was like a five issue or a six issue series and it took a little bit longer um, or you d- did some more emotional work with the yeah. character and her dad yeah. and her mom. And Gus. And, you know, and Gus. And Gus. And I do Gus. Like Who Gus. I think there'll Gus be a big pair going forward if there's more of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, another thing on that point, J.D., that there's a lot is said about you need to find your faith. And it can be a faith in anything that will cause your blade to light up. But then they don't really spend a lot of time, if any, saying 
what her faith is in that caused her blade to light up. Uh, like what is I think they said something about how like she has some horn in her too and that's not all bad. And I think that related to how her blade lit up, but they well, didn't we, make a big deal out of it. You we know, all, for it being we, a big deal earlier. Yeah, we all we all have a little bit of horn in us. We're all a little yeah. bit horny. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Sometimes more than others. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the books for this week. Yeah, there you go. Should we talk about Obi Wan Kenobi? TV show. Yes. Did you wait? Did you? I didn't bring the. I didn't ask this ahead of time. Did you guys watch the three episodes? I have watched all three. The available. Awesome. Episodes. Yes. And there, uh, Rob just came back from freaking Star Wars Town or whatever the shit that's called. Which one did you go it's, to? What's it called? It's called Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the outpost of Batu down in Florida. Well, it's in Florida, but it, huh. it really the outer is, rim of the. It, it's the outer rim of Hollywood Studios in yeah. yes in Disney World. Yes, so it's my law. What, what does R2 I made. do? Does he do anything? Oh, he moves, he boops, he beeps, he does all that. My dog That's is cool. my dog is terrified of it. Like I can't even. Is get that R two or is that some other droid? I, I named him Winston, but okay. it's it's okay. an, it's part Churchill. of. You can either make a no. It's a long story. It's not worth going into. Um, but the R, it's an R unit. You can make either an R two or an R droid, or you can make a BB eight if you want to. You can make either oh, one of those. Oh, I, I kind of want to be. So you constructed your own. You do. Thing. Yeah. So That's you cool. go. You pick out the torso, the head. Um, the legs and stuff, and then you go to a station and they help you create your own little droid. I did not create a light. I did not make a lightsaber because it was three hundred dollars to make a lightsaber. Okay. And it was yeah. only two fifty for the droid. The droid with the extra personality chip and the carrying case was one seventy. There's an okay. extra in addition to its regular personality chip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. an extra one. Yeah. You can get the regular personality chip, or you can That's get cool. uh, an evil, a good, or a sassy oh. kind of, you know, and it changes. That's cool. What'd you get, changes, sassy? Cha- I got sassy, yes. That's cool. It, That's and it changes yeah. how it boops and beeps and that kind of stuff. And what's really cool is when you're walking through the park, when you go, uh, when you come across other droids, they kind of, they boop and they beep and that kind of stuff at each other. And they oh, that's cool. And they interact with Aww. each other, yeah. Because I said to I, turn, I asked uh, you know my uh, specialist at the uh, droid workshop should I turn it off to save the battery? She's like no 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 walk around with the park with it and yeah sure enough whenever I walk past somebody else we were eating lunch in the cantina and we had somebody sitting next to us and the two droids were talking to each other yeah that's yes, awesome it was yes I lo- yes I loved it yes. that's so cute yes, it, it was adorbs yes. And uh, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance is probably one of the most, it, it was a religious experience. Uh, <sighs> it's, it's such a good, oh, it's, it's such an amazing so ride. Jealous. I wish yeah. I could afford to go do that. Oh, it was but a it does, ton of money. Yeah. It does cost yeah. a lot of money from what I hear. But what I want to know, JD, is what if people want to give money to this show? Oh, there you go. Nice well, segue. If they wanted to, they could go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo and help us out that way. If they don't have any money, they could just uh, share, comment, subscribe. Uh, if you're listening to us on uh, iTunes, you can give us a nice star rating. That would really help us out. Um, but basically, just show up and hang out with us and chat that's with cool. us in the chat. That's my favorite part. And that doesn't cost money at all, unlike that's, that's Disney. Right. 
I mean, you're going to have to probably pay for a computer, maybe an iPhone. You have to pay for Wi-Fi. That's a good point. There's charges involved. That doesn't cost any money that goes to us. That's true. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right, right. Um, (laughs) So, Obi-Wan Kenobi just dropped. We got the first two episodes, and then we got a third episode, and then stuff happened in those episodes. Yeah, each one. Yeah. Each, Each one of them had things, actors, and... Stuff, stuff going on yeah. mm-hmm. uh what are you how are you feeling about it were you looking forward to obi-wan rob were you uh just sort of like are you blasé about the stuff that's coming out how are you feeling about the star wars shows up until now including uh Obi Wan? I, I think they're doing a great tempered measurement of the star wars universe and again i think i'm going to call that what i see as the favreau effect which is what I think is missing, I think they're just shitting out Marvel shows at this point. Like, I mean, I just think some of the recent Marvel shows, I've missed some of your conversations if you guys have already gone over Moon Knight. Um, but, I mean, I really just think, I think the Marvel stuff is too chaotic and too all over the place. I love the measured temperament of the Star Wars universe and what they're doing with it. Uh, Mandalorian, fantastic. Boba Fett, I'm going to give it the middle grade. Um, Boba Fett got great as soon as... It was no longer about Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, those are you the know. best ones. Yeah, as soon, <laughs> as soon as Boba Fett got the hell out of the series, Boba Fett was a great series, and I just think Obi Wan is beautiful. I mean, it's just it's expertly done. I don't. What I, the one thing I'm not getting? Hayden Christensen. What? Like he's is he in the suit? It's James Earl Jones's yeah. voice. And I, when I look at the Darth Vader versus Obi Wan, Ewan McGregor is five ten. Hayden Christensen's mm. six foot. So that's like a height difference of this. But when I watch it, it's like this. So how is Hayden Christensen in this thing? And I've been told to shut up on Facebook. Like people have just have not wanted to hear me complain about it on Facebook. But like, yeah. just what is Hayden Christensen's contribution to this? I also just recently, before this came out, watched Hayden Christensen in the craptastic little Italy with Emma Roberts. So my Hayden Christensen hate just kind of went way back up again. So I might be really biased. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we see that one sequence of him in the burn, in the burning, like he's getting his, his limbs reattached to him and yeah. he's getting the, the helmet on and all this stuff. So I, that's clearly him. Uh, I wonder if it's like all the medium shots are him in the suit Mm. But all of the, mm-hmm. you know, the full body shots are some gi- giant person <laughs> in the suit. Yeah. Um, or maybe they just gave him fucking stilts. I don't know. Could be. Maybe, or like, or perspective stuff. Or, yeah. or both do of those need, things. Do you yeah. need Hayden Christensen in that suit? I mean. Well, it might just be the bona fides of it. Like, it's just sort of like. Yeah, the guy who played Anakin is also playing yeah. Darth Vader. But I, I mean, I wondered that before the show too, like if he's yeah. not really necessary to be there, yeah. but who knows yeah. what's upcoming too. I wondered before any of the show aired, if he and Obi or he and Obi-Wan would have kind of like force projected conversations and that could still be coming. Um, or he or may might, have, might, we may get flashbacks. Yeah. We may get flashbacks or, um, uh, he may have a pivotal scene, not in the suit, you yeah. know, something where he's in the tank or, or whatever, yeah. or his helmet comes off in yeah, outside yeah. for, you know, or any number of different things that, that it makes sense that he's, that he's part of it. Um, I, although Marvel wise, I kind of like 
everything being all over the place because Marvel is a bigger universe, um, at least in practice than Star Wars is that, um, you know, there's a ton of comics that don't have anything to do with each other. Whereas every Star Wars thing has kind of had something to do with the rest of the Star Wars universe. Skywalkers. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. I, I'm ready to see, I, I'm ready to see the Thanos of this phase four. I'm ready mm. to finally see what mm. is, what is the, lynch, what's the linchpin between all of these connective yeah, between yeah. of all these yeah. desperate shows. Um, and they may be trying to diversify a little bit and say like, well, not everything has to lead into the big thing, but a lot of things can, and you know, who knows what will happen with that. Yeah. Um, as far as if I was excited about Obi-Wan, I definitely was not. Like, hmm. uh, Obi-Wan is one of the coolest parts of the original trilogy because he is a Jedi Master. He is the entry point into uh, the Force and all of that stuff. And he's one of my favorite characters in it. But prequels generally, to me, are boring. And this occupies a rare spot of being still a prequel in between a prequel and something else that I already know. And so I was like, eh, who cares? I, like, I, he's going to do whatever he does. I, you know? I, I felt that way until Rogue One and until mm. I read the Star Wars comic books. And I kind of went, yeah, I was, I was of the exact same mindset, Brian. I was like, yeah, who gives a shit? And I'm like, Hmm. Once I read some of those initial Star Wars comic books um, from Marvel that took place right after episode, uh, they were taking place between episodes four, four and five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, this is, there is more story to tell. There is more that happened in yeah. between. And yes, I know ultimately where everything is going to end up. I, I like those mini vignettes. I certainly like them a shitload better than the prequel movies. But um, oh, yes, I still haven't yeah. seen Rogue One, but I hear it's really good. It's oh, really uh, good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I hear, and I do want to get to it. Um, and but that being said, I'm really enjoying Obi Wan. Like it, there is a story that is unrelated to what happens after. I mean, obviously it's related, but uh, it's. I don't know how it turns out other than my general knowledge of storytelling and, and that none of these characters die and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. On that note, I find it very sad watching Leia, um, who is played awesomely by this, by this actress that is, that is playing her. Um, and I'm like, I'm watching it and I'm like, Oh, here's this fun, spunky kid full of life. Everything turns out poorly for you, child. <laughs> when you grow up, nothing you'd get none of what you should have in this world. You know, it sucks. She um, was, I mean, she was she was my biggest surprise. Like, I did not think that they were going to go yeah. there. And why didn't no, I think that they same. were going to go there? And this is something I'm having an issue resolving. She doesn't remember Ben Kenobi in episode. There could be four. a force memory wipe in her future okay. at some point, or she just does remember him. I mean, Star Wars has never been super concerned about everything fitting together. You know, it becomes harder and harder to believe that nobody believes in Vader's old religion when they're like walking around, they're like, have you seen any Jedi? And they're like, I haven't seen any Jedi. Not like, what's a Jedi? 
you know. Yep. Well, it's like um, it's like they yeah. do a, it's like they do a twenty year mind wipe on the universe because if you look right. at episode seven, right, everybody is mythological in episode seven as well, and that only happened right. twenty years prior. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, really short. Yeah, these memories. are people who would have been well aware, alive, yeah. going to work, <laughs> doing whatever. And, uh, you know, um, know all about the Jedi. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they'll figure something out as far as Leia goes. Either there's some kind of mind wipe or is it ever explicitly stated that she doesn't know Obi-Wan? Well, the... it, it's, it's how she knows him. It's some of you fought with my yeah. father in the Clone Wars. Not, hey, Obi-Wan, right. remember that time we were running away from Flea together? <laughs> right, well, that's true, yeah. Remember when I, I fell off a building and you used the Force to not keep me from dying? That was yeah. cool. Yeah. I had somebody <laughs> try and argue with me that it was, would you remember Would you remember from when you were 10 to when you were 20? And I go, if my life was like that, if that happened to me when I was 10, yes. Yeah. I, I think that Do would Do I remember being kidnapped and then... Spending yeah. many, many days with a gentleman who well, saved me from falling to my death with his so. hands. See, we don't know how many times she's about to get kidnapped That's and true. saved. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I think I remember that one. Some yeah. guy, it become, It's an something. annual. Yeah, it's, just, it's <laughs> annually after a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, yes, I absolutely do remember things from when I was 10. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's not a blank spot in my memory. No, um, maybe she's got but, ADHD. In which, at which point, uh, any everything's yeah. up for grabs. Jenny, have you, were you, you remember shit? Were you kidnapped as a child and saved by a man with mystical powers? Could not you say for sure that you weren't? Nope. <laughs> All right. Okay. Could have happened. <laughs> uh, I do remember this one time that I was being chased by a bunch of grown-ups, and then I went yeah. under a branch that was only slightly lower than my height, and then the, the adult just stopped. Yeah. They were just like, ah, oh, this branch, yeah. which is at this height, stopped me from ducking under it. Well, you know, well, that's lucky for you. Was he a member of a, a rock group of yeah. any kind that or was, an associate of someone who was in? Such a silly, silly chase scene. That There's was, a lot of stuff like that. That, like, that was bad, yeah. Like, oh, Obi-Wan's like, hey, how about I stay in hiding by dressing up in my Jedi outfit and putting my yeah. lightsaber where I would normally put it as a Jedi. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know what? My name's Ben now, Kenobi, not Obi-Wan. <laughs> Who's this Obi-Wan? <laughs> Jesus. Kenobi is one of the more common last names. In, yeah. In it's, it's, like, it's, it's like the Smith of Star Wars. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or like Skywalker, because that's the same way he hides. Well, let's, well, we we don't want we don't want Anakin Skywalker to know that he has a child. So let's just name him Skywalker and put him on Tatooine, where he well, came come with from. his family. Yeah, with I'm his family. Any old Skywalker crew. I'm actually I'm I'm playing I'm play, playing right now. I'm playing Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga, which is basically it's Ooh. a Lego. It's so good. It's Ooh. like a Lego recreation of all nine movies, and they make fun of all of this. Like they yeah. take little as they should. They take little pew pew jabs at every one of these inconsistencies. Well, I think yeah. so much of it is just from he wasn't Luke's father when it was created. He right. wasn't Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, right. so. Yeah. There would be no reason for Darth Vader to look for Anakin Skywalker's kid, maybe, or whatever That's it why, was. When people get so upset about these inconsistencies, I'm like, it's just par for the course. This is 
George yeah. was making all this shit up as he went. There was yeah. no yeah. overarching master plan. And if yeah. there was, it got scrapped before the first film was even made. Yeah. He, he, so. he, he only cared about creating this galactic resistance. Did you guys ever read the? I know we, I think we reviewed it for the show, JD. Um, but it was the Star Wars. Dark Horse came out with it. His original treatment and his I read original you love. Yeah. of that. Yeah, I tried. And, to, yeah, we read it, and I was like, "This is <coughs> historical well, I, interest." It was all it's a good thing he changed it. No, it was all Galactic Senate bullshit. It was everything that we hated <laughs> about the prequels. Was pretty <laughs> much what he had just thrown into that first movie. And the studio wisely said, "George." Let's, you yeah. know, ease up on the politics and let's talk about spaceships. Skip and, to episode yeah. four. Yeah, show me a Wookiee. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I do and have to say... Once he pulled uh, his pants back up after that misunderstanding, Star Wars was born. I just don't understand why people... Like, have you seen that Moses, uh, the actress, um, who's one of the Inquisitors... Oh, Moses Ingram. Been getting, the, third, like, the third sister. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's been getting, like, all these racist messages and stuff on instagram and it's just it's so it's so neat to me how so many people can grow up watching star wars and the messages that the original star wars and even the prequels if they're a little younger the messages that it's been you know shelling out and Mm. then and then and then they just become empire they just become the empire these fans like they think that they're the rebels, but really they're just the empire with all this fucking. Well, I think a lot of these weird... fans um, take different things from it and enjoy blasting people and the concept of being more powerful than somebody else rather than. Now, normally, in many other properties, I would agree with you wholeheartedly, but does Star Wars really advance any particular. You know, positive philosophy. I guess it kind of does. The Force is sort of a general, mm-hmm. you should be good as opposed to bad kind of thing. But mm-hmm. whereas, you know, sometimes it's even more egregious when these people are like big Superman fans. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yes. They, you know what I mean? Or like they love Captain yeah. America or like. Yeah. The Captain Kirk. But there are those people that did. There are those people that identify with the evil side of this. I mean, I can't tell. We also we also went to Harry Potter World while we were down in Florida. We did all the Universal Harry Potter stuff. There were just as many Slytherins walking around as there were Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there were people and hissing at each other and Mm -hmm. cosplaying being the bad side of magic. I'm not saying that's. Although the they will here, be quick to point out that the Slytherins, I think, are not necessarily I'm not evil. Bad. Fuck, yeah, right. I don't know all the nuances of that, but that's that's my understanding. But I mean, the Empire is kind of Nazis. Yeah, so it's, they're definitely like, it's, inspired. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. Uh, the it's iconography to... is, is clear, but yeah. they don't really do anything. There's no allegory in Star Wars that's like racism is bad. You know, like you should accept everybody. It's just kind of like the empire is. They, bad. they commit genocide against anybody, be it race, creed, color, sexuality, whatever. They're going to. All they want yeah. is obedience, right? That's the only thing. Yeah, it's obedience or not obedience, and then your empire yeah. or not. But even the empire uh, has women and people of color. That's true. They do. They yeah. do. So yeah, they're they're better than the Star Wars fans. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is often the case. This this was I'm enjoying Obi Wan. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, It's it's sort of a slow burn, um, 
but uh, I am enjoying it. Uh, I did think that the Darth Vader Obi-Wan tete-a-tete was a little lackluster. Um, Though I did like him dragging him through the fire. I thought that was pretty rad. But in a a world where dudes were doing flips and all that sort of stuff, uh, and then just like some, some, some ground fire keeps them apart. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the comic books, like not in the movies, we don't see this in the movies, but in the comic books, Darth Vader is able to force jump and shit. Um, you know, in the movies, he pretty much just robocops his way everywhere. He just like stomps along, you know, but in the comic books, my man is like force leaping over shit and, um, all that sort of stuff. And then this, he's just like, oh no, there's a small patch of fire between me and Obi-Wan. I guess he'll get away. Well, you know? is he is he afraid of fire still because of his recent... Oh, oh he's like, ooh, yeah. There's a lot of easily avoidable obstacles. Like in, uh, this, in episode three, where Obi-Wan and Leia uh, beat up all those stormtroopers. And then, well, Leia doesn't do anything, but yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan shoots them all. And then he's like, now how do I get around this fence? Which ends <laughs> right over there. <laughs> uh, right, like, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And then he blasts it and it goes down. But like, why did you even spend that amount of time? Could have just it's, walked around it. Right, uh, it's I, right there. It's like, it's like in the suburbs where someone just has a fence in front of their driveway, but like yeah. the two pillars just, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. there's yeah. nothing around it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the suggestion uh, that you shouldn't go fast. <laughs> I did love I did love the brutality which with with which she used to draw Obi Wan out though I mean I mm. thought that was yeah. a new yeah. level of evil for Vader I thought that was well really that's cool. the yeah, thing him is walking that down the dragon down yeah the, yeah that was that rough. was good this, this yeah. is a Darth Vader that has all of the history layered in that he didn't have in the original stories. Yeah. And also has our more modern, both capability of doing things on screen, but just more modern style, which is a little more brutal um, in what they're willing to show. And so I feel like this, my not having seen Rogue One, um, I feel like this is the first time that we've seen Darth Vader in the height of his evil and and power, where he can just do whatever... You yeah. need to watch Rogue One. Rogue One. That's what I've heard, yeah. is that there's yeah. some crazy shit going on. But I think it still applies, right? Even if yeah, that yeah. was actually the first time. Like, that's yes. a modern thing yeah. where we we knew everything. That was the first and, time where I was like, oh, there he is. This that's is that why guy. he's so feared. Yeah. Like, yes. in the original movies, he was so feared because all of the characters were afraid of him. And they told you that he was that bad. Yeah. But, yeah, this is him both being capable of it and he's also uh he's more fully in in the the middle of his um yeah. his darkness yeah. you know mm-hmm. um and and we can show it more in our and I'm more willing to which is which is mm-hmm. very cool i think to see him and also knowing that all the anakin stuff which yeah. you can rewatch the original trilogy and you know it, but they didn't know it while they were making it, so yeah. it's not it's not present there. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's cool. I did not realize that he has red eyes in this. Oh yeah, but yeah. apparently he does, yeah. and did in A New Hope, and they changed it after that to black. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was like lighting until I read some article about it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. That's yeah. Cool. 
Um, oh, the one thing, uh, Kumail Nanjiani's character. Yeah, oh, that was, was great. fun. Yeah, it was just he's good. always great. Like I, yeah. I love when he pops up in pretty much anything. Um, one thing that I that I thought was funny is that they're going in and he's pretending to be a Jedi, and so he's kind of this like scammy, kind of artisty guy. Mm-hmm. And then after I was thinking about the episode, I was like, well, wait a second. Well, he didn't really do anything wrong. He still did what he said he was going to do. He's not taking them for a ride pretending to be a Jedi. He's still getting them on the transport off yeah. the planet. Well, I, okay. Just with a little showmanship for whatever reason. Like, I don't of, know why. Instead of being upfront about it, instead of just helping these people out of kindness, he's mar- he's the embodiment of marketing to bring us back mm-hmm. full circle. I mean, sure. he's using a charlatan ruse to try and get the but money he could, out of people. He could just do that. He could just be like, yeah. I'll get you off planet. It costs this much. He's just he's, a smuggler. You know, right. Yeah. <laughs> like he doesn't. But I wonder eat the if he just he Jedi just enjoys part. it, right? Maybe. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. my theory, which I think has kind of been uh, destroyed by to the timeline involved. Uh, my theory was that he was one of the younglings that escaped. Yeah. And like, kind of remembers Jedi stuff, but doesn't can't do it anymore. Or can, mm-hmm. but doesn't think it's smart to do it anymore. Yeah. And then that's why he helps. Obi-Wan. He, he's um, kind of old to be a youngling. I mean, yeah, that's, he's, yeah. He, he after having been, examined the ages involved, I'm yeah. like, well, it's, it's only been, ten been years. A, a hard life on wherever he was. It's only, it well, hard life. 45. Hard life. It's human, yeah. it's human growth hormone. I mean, it's only <laughs> right. been 10 years since uh, Order yeah. 66. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think it's fun. I'm enjoying yeah. it. It was a three, ep- yeah. three more episodes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a six yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Three, four, three. Um, and I think yeah, we've already started talking about a season two, which good. I'd be down I mean, if if it's I don't care. cool. Yeah, I'll do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Sure. I just I knows, love watching you and McGregor. Yeah, he's really yeah. good. He's great. Yeah, I enjoy yeah. him. Yeah. I never think that never in the entirety of you and McGregor's stint as Obi Wan have I ever thought that sounds like Alec Guinness. No. I never thought that that accent, that the accent that he's putting on as Obi Wan, matches the way Alec Guinness ever talked in in, in the films. Well, it, maybe when it, maybe when his hair goes gray, his voice yeah. changes as yeah. well. The sand probably another ten years on Tatooine. Yeah, will totally. Really start totally to change different uh, accent, accent yeah. that he yeah, speaks yeah. With. Yeah. Totally different dialect. I mean, that can happen, right? People yeah, do change sure. accents yeah. when they live someplace. It would make more sense if the other people on Tatooine sounded that way. That yeah. he would <laughs> grow to yeah. sound that way, but. Um, it, you know what? Also, the more that he interacts with Leia, it becomes less likely. Like, w- so why did he not want to train her? Also, like, why does he not think that she is a good person to train? It, just another inconsistency hmm. that is maybe a little unavoidable if you want to tell more stories in in a prequel yeah. kind of setting. Well, to be fair, he doesn't really train Luke. Um, but he wants to. He, He's like keeping yeah. an eye on him all the time. Like, when can I start training this young Skywalker? You know? Yeah. yeah I, I think it's just because they agreed to separate them for their own safety. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, he's he's there on Tatooine watching Luke. He like, is nowhere near. <laughs> ready to, he's he's yeah. nowhere near Leia. Like, if Leia was on Tatooine <laughs> with Luke, then he might want to train both of them because he's there all the time. No, yeah. that's true. But. 
Leah yeah. is in an entirely different planet. Yeah. And they they really did a good job in episode two with um, Uncle Owen, right? Showing how Uncle Owen kept Obi-Wan at an arm's length from being able to yes. train or guide the boy. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Bringing him little toys, hanging on to a lightsaber for him. Cute. Nothing for Leia. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, that's yeah. it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Really appreciate it. Rob, thank you for joining us. Thank you for it's having me. It's always a pleasure to see you, buddy. Yeah. Um, and uh, let us know, are you enjoying Obi-Wan? Do you have problems with Obi-Wan? Uh, don't, don't email us if you're going to be a dipshit about it. I don't want to hear any racism or nonsense. Uh, but if you've got legitimate uh, qualms uh, or praise for the show, email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. We'll read it on the show. Join us here again next Monday, 9 o'clock, where we'll be live streaming and talking about the week's comics and probably some other shit. All right, guys. All right. Thanks so much, and we will talk at you laters. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is